morning again. Welcome. Glad that you're here. For those present in the room, it's been great, isn't it? What a great time of worship. That was awesome. Thank you, Craig and team. And For those of you online, I pray that you experience the presence of God right in your homes or wherever you may be watching this morning. We are in our time of prayer and fasting here at Fullness for 27 or 28 years, however long we've been to church. We have begun January with a time of prayer and fasting for 21 days. And we're in that time now. And again, I want to remind you that prayer and fasting, there's the prayer aspect of actively seeking after God for his purpose, his plan, his clarity in our lives. And then there's the fasting part, which is the denial of something that is generally, we generally participate, like it could be media. I mean, this week I'm, I'm fasting from media and I got a, a text from my son on um, whatever day that was, Wednesday. Wednesday saying something like, wow, this is scary and embarrassing. And I, I thought he was talking about me. And um, I, I, so I texted him back and said, uh, uh, what are we talking about here? I've learned to ask that question before I assume too much. But what are we talking about? He said, well, you need to turn on the news. And I'm like, what station? And he's like, it doesn't matter. Just turn it on. And we need God in our country. We need God in our lives. We need God in our church. We need the presence of God. So I was fasting from media. So it may be food. It may be media. It may be social media. It may be... Some, you're denying yourself something for the purpose of hearing from God, for the purpose of things in your life being exposed so that you can deal with them because we pick up the dirt and the junk of the world. So when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he finds his disciples having trying to cast a demon out of a boy, trying to heal him, they can't do it. Jesus heals him, sets him free. And the disciples say, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting, actively seeking and denying. So that's what we're in this time for. So it's been, times of prayer have been awesome here. 6 a.m., I know that's early, 6 a.m. on weekdays, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. on Saturday. And we've had anywhere from 25 to 30 almost every morning praying with us in this building, uh, which is just awesome. And then another 50 to 70 online. So if you're watching online, join us at 6 a.m. They'll be live streamed every morning. If you can come, great. If you can't, just participate. You need to get a prayer guide, which is at the back. Uh, we'll be posting those of you who are part of Fullness. We email those out every day. You can also get them at fullness.life, the devotions and the, the scripture passage and the idea. Also, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get one of these cards when you came in, I don't mind right now if you do it, but just go get one of these cards because we want everybody to fill out a prayer request, something they're asking God to pray through during this time. And every morning for at least 10 minutes, we spread these cards all across the front and we pray for every single one of these prayer requests every single morning. So, and we also are trying to hear from God on your behalf. So come to prayer and fasting, participate in it. If you're part of fullness, we ask you as the spiritual leaders of this church to participate in some way in the time of prayer and fasting. We, we, um, we believe it's a, it's a time that we should all come together. And as a part of our time of prayer and fasting, even back in October, 
a lot of things have happened in my life since October. But in October, uh, as I was praying through what to preach during our time of prayer and fasting, I felt like the topic that God gave me was this topic of overcoming fear. Now, at the time, uh, there seemed to be more fear coming up, I think, around me and because of the election and the state of our country and the political process and I think that's where my mind was going, but there was so much more that happened in my life personally and in various frames that exposed fears that even I have in my life of the days coming up. And so this whole series over the next six to seven weeks, really, past the time of prayer and fasting, we're going to talk about overcoming fear. Fear is a debilitating aspect of many people's lives. Don't you find it interesting that every time an angel shows up to talk to somebody, the first thing they say is, fear not. Well, why? Because we're so stinking afraid. Fear dominates our lives. And there's this one question that rises, well, is fear good or bad? You know, the whole fight or flight aspect that we have woven into our fabric and so I want to talk a little bit about that, and then I want to speak this morning about the, 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 the fear of death specifically today, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to. I have a, uh, five children, as you know. My second-born son, Adam, is uh, more the outdoorsy type, and he lives in Jackson, Wyoming, because he likes the outdoors, and there's a lot of outdoors out there. And um, he specifically likes to snowboard and climb, and he's a rock climber. Um, he, he climbs without ropes, generally, which is called free soloing. Um, he doesn't go, like, up high. He's also got a thing about heights, so it's a good combo, so he stays kind of low, but he still climbs. But he's got me into watching movies about climbers, and uh, I just want to show you the preview of uh, a movie that got released a couple of years ago. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously like much higher consequence. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing, are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years, and every yeah. year I'm like, that's really scary. I'll never be content unless I at least put in the effort. El Cap is the most impressive wall on Earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. It's the center of the rock climbing universe. Obviously, I get interview questions about it all the time. Oh, would you like to do that? And you're like, yes, for sure. your girlfriend now, I heard. It's awesome. <laughs> Pretty much makes life better in every way. It's really hard for me to grasp why he wants this. But if he doesn't do this stuff, he'd regret it. Everybody who has made free soloing a big part of their life is dead now. I haven't been injured in like seven years. I suddenly start getting injured all the time. What if something happens? <laughs> what if I don't see him again? I could just walk away, but it's like, I don't want to. 
I've always been conflicted about shooting a film about free soloing just because it's so dangerous. It's hard to not imagine your friend falling through the frame to his death. I think when he's free soloing, that's when he feels the most alive, most everything. How can you even think about taking it away from somebody? No mistakes tomorrow. Starting to get kind of psyched. If you're pushing the edge, eventually you find the edge. I can't believe you guys are actually gonna watch. Hey Jimmy, do you copy? You just started climbing. Does it make your palms sweat just to watch it? Mine are. You know, I mean, it just makes, just watching it, the idea of climbing 3,200 feet straight up without any ropes at all. Now, I'm going to spoil the movie, He Lives, and, um, and does it. Climbs the entire mountain without any ropes uh, at all. And I've been to Yosemite, seen El Cap with Adam, and we, I, I had to climb just to get to the mountain. I mean, you can't, you can't just walk up to, you have to climb to just get to the base of the mountain, and I could barely do that. And Adam climbed up a little bit of it. And, but the thought of it makes my, I mean, I just get, Alex Honnell is a unique individual in that he doesn't experience fear. Not at the same level like you and I, and it's what makes him one of the great rock climbers in the world is that he doesn't get afraid. Now, he's had brain studies. They've, they've, they've put him under some machines to see if his amygdala, which is where the fear center of his brain operates from, is operating properly. And uh, they find it doesn't fire like yours and mine. It doesn't work quite like, and it enables him to do what he does. I read another article on a, a woman whose amygdala is totally calcified, and she experiences no fear in any area of her life. They've run different experiments on her um, that you naturally, you and I, would either panic in or be afraid of, and she's one of 400 uh, known people who have this condition who experiences just no fear. Now, it can be a very dangerous situation but reasonably, she knows not to go stand in the street because a car might hit her. But, but fear-wise, it's not like that fight or flight reflex doesn't work in her. So when is fear a good thing, a bad thing? That's a whole question. But the idea that I want to speak to us about in these weeks ahead is this, that we have to get to a place where our faith factor rises above our fear factor in order that we can achieve the destiny for which we've been created and redeemed. That for many people, they, they are not launching out in what God has called us to do because we're so afraid of the various possibilities. There are so many different fears that we all have to battle here are the top 10, by the way. Uh, I'm good luck to me for trying to read these. Agoraphobia, anyone? Know what it is? Good guess, but no, we're coming to that one. 
Agoraphobia is the fear of open spaces. Fear of op Some people are afraid to go out of their house. Fear of open spaces. They're so paralyzed they can't leave their home. I'm getting there. Uh, acrophobia, not really fear, I just don't want to leave. Uh, acrophobia, now... Fear of heights, you're the ones whose palms really started sweating when that movie, uh, that preview came up. Uh, here we go. Terramere Hanophobia. I had to practice that one. Anyone? <laughs> Good guess. No. Fear of flying. That's for you, Mark Rhodes, my friend, who's got that. Claustrophobia. You know this one? Fear of enclosed spaces. Intimophobia. Good. Fear of insects. Aphidiophobia, well, it's an animal, but not birds. Fear of snakes, and I think that's a proper fear, don't you? Don't you think, I, you know, we're going to stomp on Satan's head together. Um, and he was a snake, right? So I feel it's a biblical thing. Cynophobia, yeah, fear of dogs, good. Astrophobia, it's not fear of stars. It's fear of, it's fear of storms, fear of storms. Trypanophobia. It's the fear of needles, which is, uh, I, mean, I think, another good fear. And then finally, tonophobia. Tonotophobia. That is the fear of death. Thanos, for all of you uh, Marvel people, uh, comes from that. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, it's all Greek thing. Listen, we have fears, and one of the prevailing fears that we have that determines the course of our life for many people is this fear of death, the fear of dying. Now, for those of you who were tuned in or saw Phil James' memorial service yesterday, it, it, it's really incredible that months ago I planned to preach on this topic, the fear of death. And then had the memorial service yesterday for Phil, where really his life verse from Job was, even if he slays me, yet will I trust him. The aspect of, look, death is not the end. Death does not hold me. Death is not to be feared. And so hopefully you listened to yesterday. I'll try not to repeat myself too much, but that was like part one of the sermon for today, which as I wrote them this week is, is the second part. So I want to talk about the fear of death and overcoming the fear of death and how we can, how we can do that from a biblical standpoint. The first point is this, how you respond to the thought of your own death reveals your heart, especially if you're facing imminent death. Now, let me just say this. I said it yesterday, but I want to remind you, we all face imminent death. It's just a matter of when. Some people, it's a little more, it's going to be sooner, and we don't know when that is for everyone. I mean, this is what happened to Kathy and I last year. Kathy and I were uh, with uh, Adam and another, uh, with Caleb, we were out in Wyoming, and we'd just gone on the six-mile hike with a 2,000-foot elevation change. Kathy did great. I mean, it was, it was you know, you, when you're hiking at 10,000 feet, it doesn't matter. Your heart still gets jumping. And we'd been on this hike, and she'd had a heart test because she had had some issues. 
Uh, you heard her testimony. She'd had some heart issues over the last 12 years. She'd had this heart test that she has on a regular basis. When we got back, we got notification that there was a problem with her heart, and we started seeking out some medical opinions. And what it boiled down to at that point was you could die any moment. Your heart is in such bad shape that you could die any moment. Now, we believe God healed her. We got some good reports later. But for about a two-week period specifically, we're facing the point like when you go to bed at night, you're thinking, is she going to be alive when I wake up tomorrow? Is she going to still? I mean, it was that kind of truth word that you're slapped with. Now, I got to be honest. Kathy handled it much better than me. You know, really, she was like incredible in the peace that God gave her in that moment. And I'm like, if I didn't see her for like three seconds, I was calling her. Or if I called her on her cell phone and she didn't answer, which my wife does a lot, I was panicking. Because, you know, half the time she can't find her stinking cell phone. I don't even know why I pay for the thing. You know, she, she was usually roaming through the house. Anybody see my cell phone? Where's my phone? Anybody know? And we're like, honey, you're the only one who's got your phone. And so um, anyway, I, but for me, it was like, where is she? Is she doing okay? And every night I would say, see you in the morning to kind of remind her, you're going to still be here tomorrow, right? And so, but when you're faced with that imminent death, it really does reveal what's in your heart. A couple of biblical examples of this. You remember in, um, in Matthew, Jesus is arrested. He's on trial. Some of his followers follow down. He's in the courtyard of the high priest, Peter is. He gets confronted. Hey, didn't we see you with Jesus? Now, in Peter's mind, he's probably thinking, wow, Jesus is arrested. He, they could kill him. If they think, do this to Jesus, they could do it to me. So what does Peter do? He lies. He denies. He panics. He protects himself. You know, the, the, the rock, the one on whom the church is going to be built, needs his heart exposed. Because what he had said with his lips earlier was, hey, I'm good. No matter what happens to you, Jesus, I'm going to fight. But now his heart has been revealed. He's gone into self-protection mode. Why? He's afraid. He's afraid of death. Over in Kings, King Hezekiah is, gets sick, and Isaiah the prophet comes in and says to him, hey, get your house in order, you're going to die. It's great to have prophets around, isn't it? So Hezekiah calls out to God, he cries out to God. He, he was a good king, he reminds God of all the things he's done, and says, spare me. Isaiah's not even out of the castle, the fortress, the courtyard yet, and God gives him word, go back and tell him he's going to live. Isaiah goes back and tells him. So there's the aspect of getting afraid, panicking, self-protection. There's the aspect of crying out to God, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. Which is not bad, by the way. It's, that's what we, Kathy and I did, honestly, was like, we want more days. But we may not get them. It's what Phil faced in the last year of his life. I mean, he was given a uh, diagnosis that was hopeless. We still prayed, cried out to God. Uh, God didn't choose to heal him. But he may or he may not. 
In Daniel, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar builds that 90-foot-tall gold statue to himself. When all the horns sound, everybody's supposed to bow down and worship the statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, we're not going to do it. We can't worship an idol. Some tax collectors figure out that they don't do it. They tattletale on them to the king. And the king gets mad. He says, everybody's got to obey me. I'm the king. And they say to him, respectfully, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. What an incredible, hey, even if you throw us in the fiery furnace, God's able to deliver us. Go on and say, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. It's where they stand. They stand in a place of total confidence before God. Their hearts are revealed. I mean, this king can easily throw them in the fiery furnace. He said that's what's going to happen if you don't bow down. And they say, look, God can deliver us. God can save us through this. Or even if he doesn't and he kills us, we're still we're good. How you respond to the thought of your imminent death will reveal what's in your heart. When you think about death, yours or those around you, it will reveal what's in your heart. For many people, that fear of death is paralyzing. It keeps us from accomplishing, from doing all that God has for us. Which leads me to the next truth from God's word, and it's this, that Christ came to free us from the fear of death. The fear of death is nothing new. It's also something that's common to all men, really. And there's a biblical foundation that talks about it. You, you, you see the words of Paul where he says that I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. How did Paul get to a place where he could say, whether I live or die, for me to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain? How can he get to a point where you look back through history and the, the thousands, really millions of Christian martyrs have stood up for the faith in the face of an imminent death with a confidence in God. How do we get to that place? Well, there's a theological truth that's this, that Christ came to free us from that fear of death. In Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15, this is the passage from our prayer guide for today. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those, that's us, those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. If you're apart from Christ, without Jesus coming, we are all in bondage for the fear of death because death then would be the end. Death would mean separation from God. 
for all eternity. But Jesus came to free us from the fear of death. You don't have to be afraid of death. It's not required of you any longer. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite of what we should be experiencing as followers of Jesus Christ. Again, going back to Phil, my conversations with him over the last year, um, he was sad. He didn't want to die, but not because he was afraid of death, but more because he wanted to, there are certain things he wanted to experience in this life. I mean, he really wanted to go to David and Sarah's wedding. That was really, really important to him. Um, and then you, you mix in the whole COVID thing where people can come around and he's real susceptible. You know, the last physical time I talked to Phil where I was in his presence, he was on the porch. I was, you know, like 20 feet away in his front yard uh, talking to him. He showed that he didn't have this fear of, of dying. And we can all have that same thing because Christ came to free us from it. Listen, here, I'm going around the mountain a, a lot on this, but Christ came to free you from a lot of stuff. Right? He came to, we sang it earlier, we tried to proclaim it that in the name of Jesus, there's freedom. You're free not to sin, by the way. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What kind of freedom? Freedom not to sin. Praise God. I don't have to sin. No, I still do on occasion. But you don't have to. You're free. I mean, there are a lot of things. But the freedom of the fear of death is one that we should all embrace. Because death is only fearful if the sting of sin is not dealt with. Death is only fearful if the sting of sin is not dealt with. Paul in Corinthians says this, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Great news, right? The sting of death has been removed. Well, what is the sting of death? Paul tells us the sting of death is, is sin. It's not the dying. It's the sting of death that's caused by the sin that's in our heart. And God has removed that through the coming of Jesus. And Paul is specifically talking here about Jesus' death and resurrection and the second coming. It's all woven into this passage in 1 Corinthians as he speaks of what Christ has done. And here's the truth. He's given us the victory. The sting of death has been removed. Therefore, we don't have to fear death. But if we do fear death, why is that? This past week, another one of my sons got a new iPhone. He was like on iPhone 6 or 7, I don't know, one of those ancient models. He got a new one. It's newer, better, faster. He was telling me this week, he's like, I, I just can't get used to the fact there's no home button. Now, for those of you who aren't iPhone users, you're probably thinking, I don't know what he's talking about, but there used to be this button at the bottom that you would push to take you back to the screen you wanted to be on. Now, on iPhones, it's gone. There's no home button. You have to work without it. And so it takes a while to get used to it. And the day after he got the phone, he said, I'm just getting, I'm, I'm trying to get used to it. You see, he had, he had this new technology that was newer and better and faster, better camera. But to learn it, you had to get used to the fact there was no home button. 
there's a whole face ID now. There's not punching in numbers. Um, there's, it scrolls different. It, for those of you who have new iPhones, you understand what I'm talking about. It's got a thing called widgets, which I really like, the new widget thing, personally. But you got to learn how to use you, you can have the phone and not ha- know how to use it and all the stuff that it does. I can't even do all the stuff it does, but I'm trying to do some of the, the basic things. The idea here is this, that when Jesus came, you received a future, you received forgiveness, and you received freedom. People, you have these things in Jesus. The, the difficulty we have is in appropriating these things in our lives. Learning who we are. You've been given a new mind. You have the mind of Christ. Well, am I going to receive this new mind or am I going to walk in the old mind? Uh, Who am I in him? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, now do I have to act righteous in order to get God's approval? No, this is who you are. You are the righteousness. Receive who you are. How do I act? I act as a child of the king because that's my response to him. I am God's workmanship created in advance to do good works. Why? Because I was once dead, now I'm alive, but now in him I can do these things. See, the problem is not you haven't received it. The problem is you haven't received it. You know what I mean? You haven't made it a part of who you are. You haven't changed your mindset. We need a new mindset to know who we are in Jesus. It says in Colossians, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, what did God do? He made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. The sting of death is sin. God made you alive. He's freed you. He's forgiven you. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This not by works, because then you'd boast. It's all about what God's done for you. Then the God's workmanship thing comes in. Here's the thing. Most of us, just look look at me just for a second. Most of us think that when Jesus came and I received Jesus, I went from being bad to being good. I was bad, now I'm good. That's what Jesus did for me. Made me I was bad, now I'm good. Here's the truth. <laughs> you were bad, you were dead. Spiritually, it's not like you, your spirit man was bad, it was dead. Dead, dead, dead is dead, right? Dead. It went, you went from dead to being alive. Death to life. That's what the New Testament teaches us. It doesn't just say, hey, you, were, you weren't perfect or you were bad or you're not so great. No, no. Dead. You were dead. Now you're alive. And in such, here's what I want you to see. Spiritually, you'll be more alive in your physical death than you ever were in your physical life before you came to Christ. How can we not fear death? I've, I've already been, I was already dead, but now I'm alive. I'm alive in Christ. As a result, when I die physically, I'll still be more alive than I was before I came to know Jesus. People, this is good news. 
This is good news. This is why you can face physical death with a total confidence in God. What does that mean about me if I'm still afraid of death? Well, if you're still afraid of death, then it's because you don't know where you stand before God. That would make you afraid of death. Or it should. You don't know. Am I right with God? Has the sting of death been sin been removed from my life? Can I know I'm right with God? And I want to tell you, yes, you can. The Bible assures you that you can know where you stand before God in your relationship with Jesus when you receive him. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done in you. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You can know. You can know where you stand. And if you know where you stand before God, then you need to renew your mind. If you're still afraid, then you need to receive that truth, that whole iPhone silly illustration. You need to know who you are in him and that you are spiritually alive. For every single one of us, this should be good news. Not just good news. This is incredible news. If you're here today and you're experiencing a fear of death, I want to ask you one of two questions. Do you know where you stand before God? If not, then receive this one who came to free you from the bondage of fear of death. Receive this one who came to to take away the sting of death, which is sin. And praise him because he gave you the victory. He's given you the victory that we can face death without fear. And if you've already received Jesus and you still experience this fear, I want to encourage you today to lean into him and ask him to renew your mind. Let me just step into it just for one second. I, I am, I'm, I think I'm a pretty rational guy. I could be deceived. Some of you are like, he's deceived. But I think I'm a pretty rational guy. So the whole virus thing, the whole coronavirus thing, I, I think we need to be reasonable. I don't want to make other people sick. I don't want to be... Um, I don't want to, you know, just be willy-nilly about roaming around and maybe making people sick. I, I understand that. I want to be rational and reasonable about protecting others. But if I'm acting for me out of a fear of getting sick because I'm afraid I'll die, I would encourage you to rethink just a little bit. Now, some of you are like, well, he's preaching we should... No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Please hear me all the way around. Be reasonable. We don't want to make other people sick. We don't want to cause suffering when we don't have to. But on the other hand, if the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I'm afraid I'm going to die, if that's the only reason, then I think we should rethink. It's exposing our heart. Going back to point one, fear of imminent death will show you what's in your heart. Christ came to free you from the fear of death, the bondage that comes with it. And it's all because if you're still afraid of dying, then the fear, the sting of death may not be dealt with. 
Inasmuch then, and by the way, if I just offended you in the last five minutes, just throw that part away. It wasn't intended. It's just saying, look, look at your heart. Be, reveal what's inside of you. Inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, he himself, why can Jesus have done? Because he went through death himself. He himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Is this not such a rich verse that I didn't really unpack all that well? But the point I was trying for us to see is to release those who through fear of death were all their life subject to bondage. You are free. Walk in freedom. You don't have to receive that bondage. And then you can say, I want to bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For me, living means living for Christ. Is that what it means? Is that why I'm still here? I want to live for him. And dying, wow, that's even better. Lord, I pray this morning that you would free us. Lord, I want to pray different. I want us to know that we are free. And Lord, I pray that every chain, every bondage, especially as it comes to the fear of death, would be removed in our lives. I pray that it would be broken off of us. I pray that, God, you would set us free so that we can live and truly live. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you've taken me from death spiritually to life, that I've been made alive in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that on the day I physically die, I will still be spiritually alive and more so than before I received you, that death doesn't have to be feared for me. I pray that that mindset, that truth would permeate who I am. And I pray it would permeate every single one of us that we would walk in incredible freedom. Not being worried about the days ahead, but instead walking in, walking in life. Lord, we, we thank you. Lord, free us from our fears. Lord, today we declare that even if or even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint us. Our cup overflows. Lord, we get to dine in your presence. We get to walk in your presence. We get to receive the mercies of the Lord. Lord, I pray that's who we be as followers of Christ. Thank you. I want to encourage you. We're going to sing Psalm 23. Make it your prayer of declaration. Let your mind be renewed. As we sing it, we're going to stand and worship God and if you brought a physical offering, then you can bring it to the front. Uh, if you'd like to give online, you can do that at fullness.life, or you can text to give however you want to, however God leads you to give. We don't see giving here as a duty or an obligation. 
um, we see it as an act of worship in which we, this small part, this small thing, it represents all of me. And you know what? One of the things you can bring to God is your fears. He can handle it. He already knows. Bring them and just lay them down before him and say, God, take this. I want to encourage you to take the prayer and fasting card and put any prayer request you have down on this card. If you don't have one of these cards, it's okay. There are other cards in the seat back in front of you. You don't have to use this very format. Then come and bring it to the front. Drop it in the offering plate as we worship. And we'll pray for these prayer requests this week during our time of prayer. Stand up with me and let's worship the Lord specifically to say, God, free us. If you're online, worship with us and let's declare the freedom that is ours in the Lord. I'll see His glory. 